This episode of the Queen's Memory Podcast has been produced in English. If you'd like to listen in Mandarin, you can find that version in our podcast feed. 如果你想收听中文普通话版，可以在我们的播客资讯里找到。You're listening to season three of the Queen's Memory Podcast. My name is Jie Feiyuan, and I'm the Queen's Memory Curator. In this season, our major minor voices. We feature stories from our neighbors of Asian descent in Queens, New York. Too often, these voices are deemed minor, as in of a minority. But in our borough, these voices are a major force. One in four borough residents identifies as Asian American. The stories they tell reflect their ongoing struggles and triumphs. There are our stories. A vital part of who we are, and together they represent a snapshot of our ever-changing neighborhoods as they are now. This is Heidi Shen. My name is Denzel Chocolate. I'm Stella Gu. I'm here at Flushing, New York. My story starts here. In this episode, our producer Stella Gu presents the story of a family tragedy in the wake of a historic flood. Let's listen. Flash flooding siege. States of emergency in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. September first, two thousand twenty-one. On what many thought would be a normal pandemic, the remnants of Hurricane Ida swept through New York City. The National Weather Service declared its first ever flash flooding emergency for New York City. Although the storm originally made landfall in New Orleans days before as a Category Four hurricane, its strength in New York City was not well forecasted. Leaving residents and officials underprepared for the destruction it would cause. The mayor called this the biggest wake-up call that New Yorkers can get, and boy, do the people in this community know what he's talking about. No other borough would pay a bigger price than Queens. Out of the 13 who lost their lives in New York City, 11 lived in Queens. And the 10 occupied the same type of illegal apartment. Anyone in a lower-level apartment, like the one here, suddenly felt doomed. Three were a family living on Park Avenue: a father, a mother, and a daughter. Three bodies in a flooded basement inside of his apartment building were on the corner of Park Avenue. In early news reports, the Chinese family had no name and was a mere statistic. No one knew who they were, even within Chinese community. It would not be easy to identify them. She told me the male victim was from Hubei, same province I was from, and asked if I knew him since I'm the president of Hubei Association. But I had no idea who that was. Zhang Dechao, a Chinese medicine practitioner and the president of the Hubei Province Association, took it upon himself to find out. This accident happened on September 1st, 2021. It was a 500-year storm. I wasn't aware of this until the journalist from the World Journal called me. We started to ask around from the senior center and nursing home to see if anyone knew someone his age and from Hubei. Eventually, we got to know his last name and then found out his full name, Leng Hongsheng. But we couldn't get in touch with their families. Later, through someone from Hubei, we got the number of the brother-in-law of Mr. Lun in China. At that time, my son was in China, 
so I asked him to make the phone call as soon as possible. We called many times, but no one picked up because he thought it was a scam. Eventually, we contacted neighborhood committee and local police. Finally, got in touch with them. It's hard to imagine today how chaotic it must have been that night when I stand in front of the once flooded house on Peck Avenue. This small neighborhood is strangely situated in Casino Park. 100 years ago, no one lived here. There was a creek called Casino Creek, which later was buried. In Chippewa, Casino means cool water. 华人还是比较多, that place is the lowest area in Flushing. It was originally a swamp, then dried out. There was even a bridge. And later, somehow, houses got built there. Every year it would be flooded whenever it rains. Later on, a park was built here, one meadowland and one wetland. It is not suitable for people to live here. But I don't know why the housing situation didn't get attention from the government. So many underserved groups live here. The drainage system should have been improved. It is questionable whether the situation there is completely following the safety code. And that's why you see so many residents here are low-income Chinese immigrants. Otherwise, who wants to risk living in a basement like this? Normally, a basement has a window above ground. But Mr. Lung's window was two, three feet below the ground level. You walk down a 12-step stairway to his door. That area is already the lowest in Flushing. That basement was truly the lowest of the lowest. That's why all the water went to his basement that night within a couple of minutes. Tons of water rushed to their door. They didn't stand a chance. The Lung family went to bed early. The storm happened late at night. They must have thought it was safe to stay at home. But that place flooded every year. The problem never get resolved. The reason they stuck to living there is that they had applied for affordable housing and were hopeful that they would be able to move out very soon. They waited and waited. Their turn never came. Speaking of the illegal basement issues in Flushing, who wants to live in a basement like that? No one would if they have other choices. The people who live there don't have a choice. They cannot afford anything else. This is why I think the government has responsibility for this. Different types of affordable housing programs exist for low-income groups. The most common two are public buildings, which have a long waiting list, and affordable housing lotteries. Public buildings owned by the government are very limited in number. Once your application is approved, your waiting time could be 10 years or more. While the affordable housing lottery is a cooperation between the government and the commercial real estate developers. Eligible applicants secure apartments based entirely on luck. Both routes to affordable housing are complicated. So once you are in, you are in for life. 
But for people who wait in lines for years, the lottery can feel cruel. And in Mr. Lung's case, fatal. Just like so many other immigrants who traveled thousands of miles to relocate to the U.S., Mr. Lung started his journey with hope. But he ended up without even a safe home. The ashes of Lung's family were eventually shipped to China in a volunteer cargo truck. Mr. Lung was in his 80s. His wife was in her 60s. His daughter in her 30s, and was autistic. A very disadvantaged family. Mr. Lung came to the U.S. alone when his daughter was five, and never reunited with his family until 20 years later. Even in the last few years they spent together, life was harsh and difficult. Despite her medical situation. Mr. Lung's daughter was very sweet and crafty. She had a talent for weaving, and she made some beautiful crafts. Mr. Lung himself was talented too. He was an engineer back in China, and came to the U.S. for a painting exhibition. He was artistic and romantic, and drove all the way from California to New York. Trained as an engineer, painting was his hobby. But here in the U.S., there are too many artists better than him. He couldn't make a living just on his art alone. As he grew older. He lived a frugal life, collected bottles and used furniture in exchange for living expenses. I think the New York government didn't pay enough attention to our community. The Chinese community contributed a lot of outstanding talents in education, technology, healthcare, and sports, but we rarely make any demands, and our voices are barely heard. We urge the government to pay more attention to us. To the Chinese community in New York, Chinese in all of the U.S., addressing the living conditions in Flushing must take priority. The elderly and marginalized residents there are in dire need of help. They can do nothing but wait. For the Chinese community in Queens, stories like Mr. Lung's are far too common. The shortage of safe and affordable housing has been an issue for years. Though it often goes overlooked, in this next segment, we hear more about the conditions that created this family tragedy. When a tragedy like this occurs, we always wonder what we could have done to prevent it from happening. The house the Lung family lived in had nine complaints filed against it from 2000 to 2007. Eight of them were either about the illegal conversion of basements. Or about the space being overcrowded with too many occupants. The complaints disappeared after 2007. But when the Lung's family's bodies were found floating in the basement, people realized the problem had not disappeared. And the problem is twofold: in both supply and demand. Even as affordable housing units remain in short supply. 
people like Mr. Lung would keep applying, hoping against all hope that one day they would win the lottery. The best things in life are worth waiting for. Holding is one of those things for Chinese families. There's a saying in Chinese, "Anshen li ming." The home is where the soul comes to rest, on the grounds of which new life can take hold. The so-called holding security in Chinese culture is more than just an economic ideal. It's a spiritual one tied to one's sense of belonging in this world. And yet, due to the affordable housing crunch in Queens, families are forced to wait, often with no end in sight. It's during this waiting period that decisions are made to cut corners, with the goal of saving for better future. This is a Become new immigrants. No matter what they did before, they always have a transition period. They may not make enough money as before, or their life will not be as good as before. Very few people may have a better life than before. Immigrants come to the U.S. for many reasons, maybe for their children's education. Maybe for his or her own career, when they settle here, they save as much money as they can. They don't expect a big house. The reality is, when they don't have money, they can't afford it, and they are afraid to be responsible for what are not affordable to them. They just want to save money for the future. Many Chinese immigrants go to great lengths to save money on housing. One case in particular that stood out to Miss Chen, a senior consultant of applying affordable housing for Chinese people. Not long after I started working with a nonprofit organization, there was a case that shot me. The fire department called our office and say that's. They need to evacuate residents of an entire building because too many people living there, overcrowding. We all went to help. I saw several men running away from the building with their blankets. I was sad, very sad. It was November. I asked them the reason they were running. They said that's the police there, and I realized they are undocumented residents. I went up to second floor. I saw there were four units, but they break down the wall, make it into a、uh, many small rooms or open space. There are many bunk beds, seven or eight family living in our room rooms. They feel okay with the living conditions. They get along well. The government identify the situation as against fire code and a fire hazard. The building need to evacuate the residents. They register by city or red cross, then go to shelter. 
eventually relocate to public housing or affordable housing. Two hundred people living at second floor. Such cases have become all too common in the past twenty years, with the number of applications skyrocketing and the supply of home dwindling. The ongoing waves of immigration further intensified the housing crisis. In 2018, 4.6 million people applied for affordable housing in New York City. The odds were 1 to 592, meaning only one in 592 applicants would succeed in securing a home. By comparison, in 2011, the odds were 1 to 63. In fact, the basement Mr. Learn's family lived in was shared by two other families who were not home. Luckily, the night of the storm. Still, many others are pushing their luck, living in illegal converted basement and simply hoping for the best. We have to realize that those people came to here 30 years ago are still here in Flushing today. But their earning power has decreased, or their saving money have spent for their children's education. Their children may be a doctor. Some may have become a lawyer and bought a housing unit in Manhattan. But the elderly is still here, and not all recent new immigrants came here with lots of money. Most of them are just ordinary people. I try to say that the certain immigrants still here, but new are coming. The new building in Flushing today, for example, Skyview, 1,200 square feet. Who wants it? A studio only can fit one to two persons. Why not buy a house? Chopping into small rooms, rent a basement out. It's because it's so hard for people to save money for the down payment and still need to pay thousands of monies for mortgage and property tax every month. But the income just enough to cover these expenses. So people need to commit the house to. Get more income, and also there is market demand. That is the reason illegal subletting, illegal commercial, is really serious with co-ops and privately owned house. Some owner may handle the situation better, not being as greedy. They might living in one bedroom and rent out another one. But for those who just want more money, they just illegally convert the house into many rooms in violation of the fire code. When accidents happen, this vendor will become the victims. You think that the Chinese people always have a place to live, but in theory, they are homeless. They are. The invisible homeless—they are not wandering on the street. They might have a job, but they are living double up or triple up with so many people. Are they homeless? You tell me.
Lung's family was among the invisible homeless. They died invisible, waiting for a home that never materialized. This tragedy sheds light on the affordable housing crisis and the human costs it exacts. After Hurricane Ida, the city government made a promise to landlords that they won't get fined should someone be found living in their basement. Although this prevented some tenants from being evicted, appeasing landlords is not a permanent solution. In 2019, a new program called the Basement Apartment Conversion Pilot Project was launched to fund safety upgrades for illegal basement apartments. Unfortunately, much of its administrative funding was striped in 2020 in response to pandemic budget cuts. Whether it's to increase affordable housing supply or to fund landlord safety upgrades, the invisible homeless are still waiting for a real solution. For the Queen's Memory Podcast, I am Stella Gu. This episode was produced by Stella Gu in conjunction with Melody Tao, Anna Williams, and Natalie Melbert. Voiceover work by Chen Xiaojun and Xia Liangjie. Special thanks to Korean American author Kathy Park Hong, whose 2020 book Minor Feelings inspired the title of this series. This podcast has been made possible in part by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Democracy demands wisdom. Queen's Memory is an ongoing community archiving program by the Queen's Public Library and Queen's College CUNY. The views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this episode are those of its creators and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of National Endowment for the Humanities, Queen's Public Library, the City University of New York, or their employees. I'm Jie Fei Yuan. Listen with us next time on Queen's Memory.